Welcome to Barbell Vitality Radio. I'm your host, Brent Ruska, personal trainer, yogi, and Muay Thai enthusiast. Each episode, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock strength and vitality in your life. Okay, sweet. So we're live and we are here with Melissa. Yes. Hello. Hey, introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? My name is Melissa Gatto and I am a nutrition and fitness coach. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming out here. I wanted to have you out here because I feel like you have an interesting story and through stories, I feel like a lot of us can learn best that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about where your fitness journey began. Oh, man. So the way, way back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I grew up as a dancer. So I started dancing when I was three and a half years old or like three years old, something like that. Very young. Yeah. Um, And just that was my life. You know, I danced all the way. I was a competitive dancer from the ages of eight to 18. So 10 years, I was competitively dancing, um, nationally and locally back in Ohio where I'm from originally. So did that, went through college as a dance major. What kind of dance were you doing when you were ballet? Ballet. Yeah. Ballet, contemporary, very, very like intense, hardcore, like classical. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I also did everything else too, like musical theater, tap jazz, like you name it. I've done it pretty much. Um, but yeah, I went to college, got my bachelor of fine arts in dance actually. And then about six months after graduating college, I was like, okay, it's time to get out of Ohio. I got to go. So I moved to New York City. Cool. And, uh, you know, danced there professionally for five years and just going on every single audition I could. And then that is where my dance career, I guess I retired because I was starting to get like tired and my body was hurting and it's intense. So, um, I started to get into the fitness world, you know, and I hired a personal trainer at the age of like 24, 25. It was the first time I'd ever lifted weights in my entire life. So I was just like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I did that to cross train for dance. And then after I uh, retired from dancing, that's when I was introduced to CrossFit. So I was like, oh, no way. I don't want to do CrossFit. Like that looks so intimidating. I can't lift that barbell. I am going to like, I was one of those girls that was like, I'm going to look like a dude if I do this. Oh yeah, yeah. No. Then I tried one class and I was like, Oh, I actually love this. Like <laughs> this is really, really, really awesome. It's so like opposite end of the spectrum. Yes. Type guy. Oh, yeah. 1 million percent. Yeah. So like at first it was like to sort of cross train for dance, but then it's like, it just ended up like becoming its own thing that I loved. So I've been doing that. Um, I had one of my coaches say, Hey, have you ever thought about teaching CrossFit? And I was like, no, I haven't. He's like, well, there's a level one certification at this location, at this gym in like a month. You should sign up for it now because they sell out fast. I was like, okay. So I got certified and the rest is history. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So what is the training like when you were like eight to 18 when you're dancing? I was dancing six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Um, I would go to school. So up until, so 
up until um, high school, everything was pretty like normal, I guess. I would dance Monday, so five days, Monday through Thursday and then Saturday. Um, and that would be from like three o'clock in the afternoon until sometimes eight o'clock at night. Wow. Yeah. That was like more in middle school. Like when I was eight and when I was younger, they were more like, you know, okay, we're kids. Yeah. We have to not do this all day, every day. Yeah. But as I got into high school, um, I actually had to leave school early so I could go to dance. Like we had to, um, schedule my day around like having a study hall last period so I could leave that study hall. And I had to talk to my dean and I had to talk to the principal and I had to talk to all the teachers and like get a like written okay from them to leave school a period early so I could go to dance. Dang. Yeah. It was intense. Yeah. And then you went professional. What was that? So that was really, so it was interesting because I was a um, freelancer, so I didn't work with one specific company. I was working with a bunch of different companies. So what I would do is I would go for an audition, and if I got the part, then I would be rehearsing for whatever amount of time that they needed, and then that would end up being a show. So it's like you would do all these rehearsals, and then you would have your show, they would pay you, and then you'd be done. And then it's like, okay, on to the next audition. Wow. So it's like yeah. a contract. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and it just depended. Like there was a couple contracts that lasted. Um, I had one that was like six months and then I had another that was like three weeks. And then I had another that was like a month. So it just kind of depended on who I got hired by. <laughs> yeah. And what did dance do to your body? So like I mean, you're in training from what, eight to 24, yeah. you know, over a decade, it right? It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got really strong, but also I was extremely flexible. Okay. So I had a lot of imbalances. So I got injured a lot. Um, and we didn't really know how to take care of ourselves just because like our, our dance teachers didn't really tell us like what to do. It was just like stretch. And that was <laughs> it. Okay. So I had, I sprained my ankle probably like it was, I think at least six times and it was to the point where my tendons were fraying and they were going to have to like take muscle and reattach it to ligaments. And it was just bad. And, uh, I just, a lot of imbalances. So I definitely didn't realize that until I started doing CrossFit and until I started working out at the gym and was like, Oh wow, this is, this is crazy. My right side is so much stronger than my left side. Why is this? Like, so it definitely had to do a little bit of digging, but not only did dancing, I mean, it was great. I have, I got so much discipline out of it, but it also gave me some really, really, really bad body dysmorphia. Okay. Tell me about that. So every time I would look in the mirror, it was like, I have to, uh, you know, nitpick something whether it was like my legs or it was my arms or it was my stomach or it was something, my shoulders. I've always been sort of a muscular person. I just build muscle very easily. And um, my dance teachers did not like that because that's not the type of look that we're looking for. They're looking for more of an ethereal sort of like fairy on stage, which is what you see when you see most ballerinas that I'm the opposite of that. 
Like, your genetics didn't quite my fit genetics that. just don't yeah and they just didn't fit that and it was like it was great for you know modern dancing contemporary and things like that so i sort of moved into that but it always made me feel kind of like ugh, you mm. know like i my body just doesn't look like this so i am going to have a very hard time being successful in this so it was fine but um because I ended up loving contemporary modern even more than I ever did ballet. So that was an interesting thing. When you got out of dance, did that body dysmorphia carry over? And how did you kind of start to work on dismantling that in your mind? Oh, yeah, it did. Big time. Because yeah. um, then when I got over into CrossFit, I was seeing all of these girls who were like, freaking gorgeous, like muscular, like all this, that, and the other thing and strong. And then there's me who was like, Oh no, I am so like weak, quote unquote weak. Cause I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have anything else to compare it to. Um, and then I was still like, Oh man, I don't have a six pack or, Oh man, my shoulders, my arms aren't that strong or, Oh, my legs aren't, you know, there's always something. It was, I can never just be happy with what I had. It was always this sort of like thing that was ingrained in my brain that I needed to do something better. And it's just like, it was hard to overcome, but through the years, um, and still continues to this very single day. Um, it's just kind of like, I guess, healing the relationship that I have with my body. So, but I do, I will say that that was all that all stemmed from dancing as a yeah. child. And I think that can, I think all of us have some kind of uh, thing that we have that doesn't necessarily ever go away completely, but we do start to get better over time. And it's yep. like, it's a practice. You, you have to oh, yeah. kind of keep working on it. You know, you got to keep mowing the lawn and all that. Yep. Uh, what, <laughs> so what are some things you did or read or what did you implement to help or what do you do now to kind of help with that? So a lot of journaling. <laughs> yeah. You like journaling? I do. Yeah. I didn't for a long time. And then I realized that, um, kind of digging into my past and kind of healing old trauma and old wounds is really what truly helped. And, um, just kind of honestly letting go of the thoughts of like my body and what needs to change. And I mean, if you ask any of my friends that are close to me now, like every once in a while I'll make a comment and then I'll stop myself and I'm like, you know what? No, I'm strong. I can lift like however much weight I can lift. And that's really, really freaking cool. Like I can deadlift more than two times my body weight. Awesome. And it's like, that is awesome. And you don't need to have a six pack because you're healthy and you're strong. And so it's a lot of affirmations, a lot of journaling. Um, I meditate and I have truly found, I, I went to therapy for a long time for it. Um, all of those things really helped a lot. That's awesome. A lot. Yeah. What's your meditation practice now? So now it's very different than what it used to be. Yeah. So um, I still set a timer and I... I'm a very antsy person. Like I'm always moving. Like it's very hard for me to sit still. So I'll just set my timer and I just go and I practice mindfulness. So 
every morning I sit outside and I'll just close my eyes and I'll focus on my breath. I start to get all these other crazy thoughts in my head, just like, okay, my to-do list, what's going on? What do I, you know? And then it's like, no, stop and bring it back to breath. So a lot of just like focusing on the present, not worrying about the past, not worrying about the future, just literally right in this moment. And then by the time I'm done, it usually ends around the seven minute mark. I've kind of come to like my body's learn like, okay, seven <laughs> We're good. Minutes. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So I meditate every day for like seven minutes. And then before bed, I do a few minutes of box breathing. So I'll just do like either a five second or a six second, you know, inhale, six second, hold six second, exhale, six second, hold. And I'll do that for a few minutes until that really just gets my heart rate down. And it's really easy for me to fall asleep. That's awesome. That's so easy to yeah. apply. Yes. And meditation doesn't need to be this super complicated no. thing. Uh-uh. I think that's what happens even to myself. You're like, okay, I'm going to do, do 20 minutes and I'm going to get to yeah. an hour. I'm going to do it twice a day and I'm going to be so enlightened and just <laughs> un, like unlock my whole life. And it's going to be great. It's like seven minutes does yeah. a lot. Oh my gosh. It does. Like every, every single morning, um, I do the same thing. So I will journal, I'll meditate or practice my mindfulness and then I'll read a chapter of a book, whatever book I'm reading. Nice. Um, but my journaling Cause I used to, I truly did used to like hate journaling. Um, I write three things I'm grateful for the intention for the day. And then I have like seven to 10 affirmations that I write down and they change daily just depending on like my mood and how I feel. But literally it doesn't take me more than five minutes to do because it's like, it doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah. I like you that. Know? I'm stealing mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I'm do, gonna it. do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, I stole it. That, yeah. that wasn't my idea. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, do this. <laughs> yes, if you're listening, do it. Especially if you don't like journaling, because, like I said, it it really took me, like I had to force myself to do it, and like I used to just like, ugh, I don't want to do this, and then it just turned into this thing where I was like, oh my god, this is my day. This is this is the first thing that I do on my day. Well, I make my coffee first. And then like once I have my coffee, I'll take it outside and then I journal. Hey, that's that's a great way to meditate. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I have my little setup and it's just it's just what I do every single day. That's I great. never skip it. I love that. When you were in dance, so then you decided to start training with weights. What inspired you or like what made you decide to even start training with weights? And then what about weights? took over your love instead of wanting to dance. You're like, man, weight training. So I had a friend who introduced me. He was like, you would love this. You should try it. And I was like, no, I don't want to look like a guy. No. He's like, just do one class. So after I took that class, I remember what I did. I did um, a back squat and we had to do like five rep max back squat. And uh, at the time I hit 105 and I was like, do I keep, do I keep going or do I, I didn't know. Like, I was like, is this, should I, should I add or, and then I did another clean and jerk workout. It's called, if any of you CrossFitters know Grace, I did Grace. Um, the prescribed is 95 pounds for a clean and jerk. You do 30 of them and it should take you under three minutes. It should. That's the idea of the workout. Um, I did it with 55 pounds and it took me like seven minutes And so it's just like, at the end of it, I was dying and I was like, oh my God, I love this. So the more I did it, um, surprisingly, it actually reminded me of dance because of the technicality of some of the movements that you had to do. There was like a checklist of movement or like a checklist of things that you had to 
check off to make the movement look good. And, you know, as somebody who was a dancer for 24 years of my life, you know, that's ingrained in your brain. It's like, okay, I have a checklist. I need to make this look good. Like my movement needs to look good and it needs to be right. So that's how CrossFit was for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, doing snatches and clean and jerks and all these really technical barbell movements. It was just like, I love this. This is awesome. Yeah. And then as the weights started to progress and I got heavier, I saw myself getting stronger and I saw myself getting leaner and I like just forming into the body that I kind of am now. And I'm like, this is really empowering. Like, this is really badass. I love this. So, yeah. Yeah. I love training dancers because it's similar in the sense that you can keep refining technique mm-hmm. and, and dancers are so in tune with their body, yep. with the most subtle adjustments and you can get really technical with barbell training yep. for the rest of your life or multiple lifetimes if you really want to. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's fun to get lost in. And that's what I love people to like find something that you can get lost in and then keep improving upon for a long period of time instead of necessarily always focusing on your looks. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And, and great training. The great thing about training is you will look good as a result. Yes. So it's, it's, yep. it's, it's a great win-win. Yeah. And that was the thing. And I, I just focused a lot on my work and just like my working or working out, I should say, and everything kind of fell into place. But, but I also, that's kind of where I fell into nutrition as well. Cause so I was just like not eating because I didn't know what to eat. Yeah. And I had grown up not eating like ever or i would like closet binge eat because yeah. i didn't want people to see me eat yeah so is it um, because for your frame you would just put on muscle so easy mm-hmm. yeah yes um you know and growing up like well you know in middle school we still have a baby fat and you're still kind of like going through puberty and you're like well i'm still kind of like this awkward human and uh and you're dancing when you're eight yeah so it was just like it was weird, but I mean, going back to the weights, like I had started to find all these different ways of eating and experimenting with eating. So it was like, okay, this is like starting to come together, but you know, there's a lot of learning and a lot of tweaking that I had to do along the way. So what are some of the things that you changed in your diet that are working for you now? So you weren't eating, you were starving, and then you were kind of closet binge eating. Mm -hmm. So where did you begin to start to rebuild your relationship with food and actually start to eat to be able to fuel your body? So actually kind of sort of recently. So I started coaching CrossFit in 2014, no, 15. It was like April, 2015. So I guess now a little over five and a half years I've been coaching CrossFit. Um, And I didn't start that. So when I first started at my gym back in New York City, um, we were training hard. Like all of the coaches were training like probably two hours a day, five days a week. And then on one day, it would just be like an hour. Damn. Yes, I know. And I was still pretty new to CrossFit. So I was getting like, my weights were going up fast because I was still that novice lifter who was like, well, my 90% is not actually 90%. My one rep max is not actually my one rep max. It's changing weekly, basically. Yes. Yeah. And so as I was getting 
stronger, I couldn't keep up with the eating, but I didn't know how to eat. So I would just eat anything. And it was just like, oh, screw it. I'm working out so much. It's fine. You know? Yeah. I'll I'll burn it off. Yeah. I'll burn it (laughs) off. It's great. So, I mean, I was lean, but I was tired and I was not nice. And I was hurt and not hurt, um, like sore all the time and just couldn't recover. Were you inflamed at all? Oh my gosh. Extremely. Extremely. I couldn't ever be satisfied enough with food. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, really when I moved to Austin is when I really deep dove into um, nutrition I had experimented with so many different diets. I was doing strict paleo for a while, which was actually the best. My, the, the, like the most shredded I've ever looked was from doing paleo, Okay, but it was so restrictive that it was very hard to sustainably live like that. Yeah. You know, you have to cut out a lot of food groups and it's just kind of like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. like, this is, not, is, this is, is not exciting. Is the shred worth it? Yeah, exactly. And no, it's not like <laughs> there's a, there's, you can be healthy and you can look good, but you don't need to like the cost of getting lean. It's like something that, you know, is really a true thing to talk about. Like what is the cost of getting lean? Is it worth it Yeah, or not? Because and, you can still be healthy and lean, but. And some people need to understand that certain people can maintain a much leaner body fat percentage naturally. So you have to find for your own range, like what is the cost yep. for your individual genetics? Mm-hmm. Like for me, I'm an actually kind of, I'm a naturally very watery, heavier guy. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a different range for me versus comparing myself to someone who might be much more naturally leaner or thinner skin or whatnot. So kind of have to pay attention, like yep. look back through your life and go, what were some of my lean times and heavier times and where's a comfortable spot where I feel, I just feel good moving around through my body and I can have fun lifting or doing whatever I'm doing activity wise. Yep. Yeah. So you found that for yourself. I did. I've, I've been finding it. Yeah. And that was actually within the past year. Um, uh, yeah, it was like about the past year where everything really just kind of clicked and I, I, I was counting macros and, um, I still track my food today. And I just find that it's super helpful, but you know, I got to that level of leanness where I was a little bit too lean and that was at the beginning of the year. And then I just kind of like intuitively ate COVID happened and it was just like, okay, now we're all inside. We're not really doing much. Like I was still working out almost every day, but it's different, you know, working out with a, like with not the same tools that you had when you were at a gym it's very different, you know, just doing a lot of body weight. Yeah. It's different. It's, it's hard still, to push the intensity. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. It's definitely hard to push the intensity. Mm-hmm. Especially when you don't have like quite the range of movements that you can do. Yeah. So, I mean, now I'm like at this happy middle point where it's like, okay, I feel good. I'm not training too crazy. I don't feel guilty if I take a day off, an extra day off. Like I, like I told you earlier, I was supposed to work out today and I decided, nah, I, I just like my body doesn't feel like it today and I don't feel guilty. And it's taken me a long time to get to that point, but it's nice. Yeah. It's nice to not have to, to not have to stress about my weight or my workouts or when my next meal is going to be. 
it's a much more relaxed oh place to God. be and more sustainable. hundred yes. yeah. percent. And when you put too much pressure on yourself, even myself or clients, too, too much emphasis on the weight thing. If you just focus on fueling your body, finding mm-hmm. what feels good mm-hmm. and seeing your performance change and whatever your uh, workouts or uh, activity you're doing, the body will start to change naturally. Yes. Right, you still need to do some key things like counting calories is good and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me about. So you basically reverse dieted. I did. Yeah, yeah. So you were at probably what amount of calories and not <laughs> eating, and then you're now where and and how did you find that? So, um, wow, I was probably eating. If I was eating twelve hundred calories, I would be surprised. When I started this whole journey, I would be highly surprised. Um, the only time, maybe if it was more, it was just because the quality of the food wasn't that great. Um, and that was probably about five years ago because I still had this idea that I needed to be skinny for dancing. So I like translated over into CrossFit, which in turn made me not the nicest person to be around because I was always (laughs) hungry. (laughs) I was like perpetually hangry. And it's just like that, that's not the way that you want to live. Um, so I was at 1200 calories. Um, I slightly upped that throughout my time, the rest of my time in New York and into Austin. And, um, I was still probably hanging out when I moved to Austin, even like I moved to Austin three and a half years ago. I was probably still sitting around like 1500 calories. Okay. Yeah, so to our workout still or no, 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 no. Those changed. I was like <laughs> doing like four hours or like four hours a week, like four days, like one hour. But still lifting heavy. That's, that's a yeah. good amount. That's a yeah, solid so, foundation of lifting. Yeah. So 15 was still not enough. And then it started to kind of like go up from there. At my highest, I I really, really, really got into it about, like I said, a year ago, I was probably, I started myself at like, I was at 1700 and I reversed and I was all the way up to past maintenance up to like 2300 calories. And that was in February. So I was the leanest I've ever been in my entire life. I was like under 12% body fat and I was eating, smashing 2,300 calories a day. And I was like, man, I could still eat more. It was insane. My body was just like moving. It was like a well-oiled machine. Like it was insane. But also being that lean was not sustainable. And so I just, I had a competition in February. After that competition ended, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let myself intuitively eat for a few weeks, maybe a month, depending on how I feel. And we'll go from there. So I'm back down a little bit. I started to like have my fun and relax, you know, that season of my year. And now I'm in the season where I'm kind of starting to lean out again. Um, I got down to 1700 calories and I'm now currently reversing back up. Got it. So (laughs) you should periodize. Like, it's not all about just like, we should always be in a cut. It's like, you have to figure out when the perfect time, it not, I take that back. There's no such thing as perfect. The best time of the years to do what we need to do, like cutting, you shouldn't be in a cut for more than 12 weeks. 
and you should probably only cut once a year. Like we can't be always in a cut where we should be living is maintenance. So, and that's what exactly reverse dieting is. So let's say your maintenance calories are 1200, which means you're not going to gain weight or lose weight. Okay. If you're at 1200 calories right now, I can't just take you up to 2000. You're going to gain body fat fast just because that's such a blow to your body. That's almost a, that's almost a hundred percent like intake, like an extra intake. So you start, okay, you're going to be here at 1200. I'm going to take you up to 1300. And then that, you know, I figure out what your protein carb fat intake is going to be. We hang out there for a couple of weeks and I'm going to take you up to 1400. We're going to hang out there for a couple of weeks. So the reverse dieting process can be long. Um, you have to be patient, which a lot of people aren't because they expect like changes right away. And unfortunately that, that's, that's that it in itself is not sustainable. Yeah. So just little by little, and then we creep on up to that maintenance and that's where our body's happy. And you know, there's a, there's a few different outcomes with reverse dieting. Like for me personally, I lost weight while I was reverse dieting. So I was eating more, but that's just because my metabolism was so on point. I was doing all the things that I needed to do. Some of us stay the exact same when we reverse diet and some of us do gain a little bit of weight. If you're gaining a little bit of weight and you're doing it the correct way, your body probably needed that. It probably needed to gain the weight. That's good. That's good. You know, like even though sometimes we chase the, that number on the scale, but there's so many other factors. There's so many other factors that go into it. So one of the things that I tell my clients is I think maybe you need to put the scale away. The scale's not going to do anything for you right now. We got to focus on getting that metabolism back up and getting you well oiled. So I love that. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I think a lot of people are in a chronic starvation mode. Yes. Keeping themselves very low. And they don't even low. know it. No. And then they, they're training in the gym hard and they're not seeing results. They're not seeing themselves get stronger, whatnot, and, and they just don't feel good. Yep. And then when you do try to increase calories a little bit, they do see weight gain. So this is why this is such an important story to understand, okay, I'm not going to die. Yes. If I no. had some calories. <laughs> Definitely not. And life can be real good if <laughs> yes. I do. <laughs> real, real good, right? Yes. And then... What else is your uh, nutrition philosophy? So you, you like to get people to a place where they're, it sounds like, eating a good amount of food so they can feel good, look good, and perform well. Mm -hmm. But then what are uh, nutrition um, kind of guidelines? Are there certain types of foods you like people to eat or not eat? What is your philosophy around foods, timing, any of that? So I believe in sustainable habits and flexible dieting. So I say dieting because like what we eat is our diet. And it's not actually going on a diet. I do not believe in restrictive diets at all. Not at all. I'm on the same page with you. I just, and I, and you know, I'm, I have done so many restrictive diets. I even went on the special K diet. What is that? Okay. So yes, this was in college. Okay. So for, it's so sad to think about. For breakfast, <laughs> you could eat one cup of Special K cereal. Okay. For lunch, you could eat one cup of Special K cereal. <laughs> and then for dinner, you could have a your your normal dinner. And that was it. Damn. Yes. Because it was like, oh, you can lose two pounds in two weeks or something like that. So I was like, oh, well, I, I keep getting told that I need to lose weight. So I, this is going to help me lose weight. It's so awful. Uh, yeah. 
It's so sad. There's so much um, of that stuff out there. Yeah. I was a I was a freshman or sophomore in college. So I was like 18, 19 years old when I was doing that. <laughs> so bad. So sad, I should say. But yeah, I don't believe in restrictive diets at all. I've done them. They don't work. That's they're not sustainable. That's why like the whole 30. Um, for instance, whole 30, you do it for 30 days. And it's like, wow, I feel really great. But it was so hard because I couldn't eat like anything. It's like, well, yes. I mean, you could load up on all the fruits and vegetables and like lean protein that you want, but you cut out so much that it's just not sustainable, which is why people have to go back to it. You know? Exactly. And then it, it, it you're kind of addicted to it. Yes. And it's like, well, what's the point? It, it becomes this holy savior. Yeah. And, yeah. and what's the point? Because if you're going to gain that same amount of weight back, or you're just going to go back to that feeling that you had before, what? it doesn't make sense. No. You know? In my eyes. Um, so I tell my clients, the only food that I want you to restrict is if you're allergic or if it makes you feel like crap. Like if you don't physically enjoy eating it, don't eat it. And that's it. Yeah. You know pretty, what I mean? Yeah, pretty like, simple. Yeah. This, this is why it's great to have, everybody should have a nutrition coach, especially if you're very lost in this. Because meeting with somebody, I don't know, people meet with you once a week or every mm-hmm. two weeks or whatnot. To go through that process, you're going to learn so much just through having a conversation yes. of just ahas to yourself. Yep. And just to have that accountability and being on that journey for a year or more, you're going to learn so much that that will stay with you versus constantly spending money on fad diets or mm-hmm. super expensive food or this or that, right? You just got to do the groundwork. Exactly. And build the base. Yes. And, you know, and that's what I, what I do with my nutrition clients is, you know, I teach them the three macros, your protein, your carbohydrate, and your fat. All foods have at least one of those in them. So I teach them what is, what is each and what's the function of them and why they're important to, into our diets. You know, like fat doesn't make you fat. You know what I mean? Carbs yeah. aren't the enemy. <laughs> like these things, are, these, these are what we need. So after I tell them that a lot of my clients do not want to count macros. I have, I have half and half. I have half my clients that count macros and I have half that don't. For those that don't count their macros, I teach them how to use their hand. So, so simple, but super effective. And like, it's the best because your hand is proportionate to you. And it's portable. You can take it <laughs> everywhere customized. you go. It's customized <laughs> to you. And you didn't even have to do anything except for be born. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just teach them the four, I have four different categories when it does come to um, portion sizing and uh, it's carbs, protein, fat, and vegetables. So um, we can go through them really quickly. Yeah. They're super fast. Um, if you look at your hand, you take the palm of your hand, not the fingers, but just like the actual palm. And then you take like about the thickness of your hand or a deck of cards. And that's your protein. And that equals about four to five ounces. Then for carbs that are not vegetables. So yes, this is your fruits. Yes, this is your chips. Yes, this is your cookies or your rice or your pasta or sweet potatoes or anything. You take your cup's handful, which is about roughly three quarter cup, maybe a little bit less veggies. Basically those are unlimited, but it's about a fist. So it's a cup. And then fat is your thumb. That's about a tablespoon or an ounce or a quarter of an avocado. So, and then obviously the portion sizes 
differ or um, the portion amounts differ person to person, but females should be eating active females should be eating at least four to six portions of each per day. And active males should be eating between six to eight portions of each per day. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's, and then if you, if you're listening to this right now and thinking, oh my God, that's a lot of food. Well, yes. If you're an active human working out four, five days a week and just being active in general, yeah, you got to fuel. If you want to optimize your living, if you want to optimize your nutrition and your um, workouts and just, like I said, living your life, you got to eat. Yeah. And that's why people come to you because it doesn't mean you need to start doing that immediately eating all those. For sure. You need to reverse diet. Exactly. (laughs) And I, and that's what I do with like some of my clients right now. Like I have, um, I have a client who she was eating once or twice a day and I was like, okay, so ideally I want to get you to four portions of each, but we're going to start you off with three because I, I know that's going to seem like a lot of food. So we just had our call and she was like, you know, it was so crazy. I was so full for the first few days. I felt like I couldn't eat because I was so full, but by the end of the week I was hungry and I was like, yeah, I need to eat these three portions. And she was, she hit all three portions every single day. She was like, I feel great. I have so much energy. I'm like, girl, we are just getting started. So yeah. So I, I kept her at those portions for another week. Um, but with the veggies, it's like, okay, if you go up in veggies, that's fine. And then next week we're going to see how she is and then up it a little bit. So like I said, it's a, it's a slower process, but man, it's so rewarding it's like, I get to eat more food. This is amazing. And I'm not going to have any bad results from this. This is amazing. I know it's, it's what, I mean, I imagine what everybody would wish for. Yes. <laughs> yes. Eat more food and get better results. Yes. <laughs> it's insane. And so counterintuitive because like the media and just the, yeah, the media has taught us or brainwashed us to think that we have to not eat in order to lose weight. It's like, no, that couldn't be further from the truth. Like, okay, yeah, if you eat less, you'll lose weight, but that weight is your muscle and maybe some water weight, but you're not losing fat by not eating. Like you're losing muscle. Yeah. You know, I don't, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to lose muscle. No. I'd rather be a little heavier and know that it's muscle and not. You know, yeah, be lighter and know that I have less muscle. Once you start eating more, you can train so mm-hmm. much harder. Mm-hmm. Now your body is just on this revved locomotive, yep. you know, just taken off. Yes. Where if you're not eating a lot and you're deprived and starved, the everything is shutting down. Yes. So even the process of losing fat and muscle because your body's trying to survive. Yes. Yeah, your your metabolism downregulates. And um, it goes into this sort of like hibernation mode because... You know, think of it. If you are, our bodies are smart. Our bodies are very intelligent and they're subconscious too. So it's like, if I'm only getting fed once a day or twice a day and they're minimum amounts, my body's going to hold on to it. Our bodies are going to hold on to it because it doesn't know the next time it's going to get fed. So it's going to try and survive after that, off of that, which turns it into fat because that is able to be stored longer in our bodies. 
So if we're feeding ourselves the carbs, carbs turns into glucose into our body. Glucose is sugar. Yes, sugar. We need it. Um, maybe not the added sugar and the artificial crap, but yes, our body turns into glucose, which gives us energy, which allows us to be able to work out. And then we have more carbs to then fuel the muscles. Again, turn it into glucose, keeps us going to be able to do more. So there's a function for every macro and micronutrient that we get. We need to eat. <laughs> Only way we can get that is by eating. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Uh, is there any other tips or information or things you want anybody to know out there who is suffering with body dysmorphia, dieting, trying to get leaner, getting started on their fitness journey, a message or something you want to say to them? I see you and I understand because I was there. That was me for so long. Um, my biggest thing would be to, first of all, put away your scalp and stop with all of the fad diets. Make sure that you're getting good proteins. Make sure that you're getting fruits and vegetables like as much as you want. Whole wheats, minimally processed foods. You can still have alcohol. You can still have cookies. You can still have ice cream. You can still go to the barbecue if you want to. But just give yourself some grace and add in the good stuff because adding in more of the good stuff is going to eventually take the bad stuff out because we're not going to have room for it. That's so, yeah. Sweet. So if people want to work with you or they want help or they just want to reach out, what do they do? So the best way to reach me is through Instagram. That's where I do most of my business. Um, website is under construction at the moment. But um, my Instagram name is at Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-J Gatto, which is G-A-T-T-O. So Melissa J Gatto, all one word, no underscores, no nothing like that, just the name. Awesome. And I'll yeah. put all your links and information yes. in everything too. Anything else? I don't think so. This has been fun. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah. And then last question, what's your what's your favorite thing about Austin? My favorite thing about Austin is all of the outdoor things that you can do. The hiking, the paddleboarding, the kayaking, everything outdoor is like the best and the hot weather. <laughs> I'm right there with you. All right. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much, guys, for listening. Please like, subscribe, share this with somebody you think would totally benefit from this. Uh, trying to do my best getting things situated here in Austin. Been here for about four, six weeks, something like that. And uh, still just trying to get myself situated. Juggling a million plates at once, but I really want to keep getting this uh, podcast up and running. Interviewing more awesome people. Got some interesting yogis in the area and different business people and all kinds of fun things. And if you uh, are think of anybody in the area or anybody not in the area that should be on the podcast, like to be on the podcast, or there are certain things you would like to hear more of, let me know. Hit me up on Barbell Vitality on Instagram. Uh, that is the best way. Uh, and hopefully more cool content coming soon. Just got my internet hooked up not even 10 seconds ago. Uh, 
So that's all I got for y'all. Later. Later.